Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I'm going to react a little bit. It's interesting. I don't usually get the opportunity to discuss games immediately after they happen, because whether I'm writing during an away game or I am at a home game and then covering that game in person, usually I do not get an opportunity but uh for for everybody that then notices i am shaven i am going with the playoff beard uh we are going to not shave until the end of the playoff run and that should be very fun and very interesting for sure uh but i hope everybody's having a good night what an interesting game what an interesting opportunity to watch that one and i think it's a pretty reasonable outcome for the denver nuggets uh I was going to be happy either way because in general, I think it's fun to be able to, uh, to just be able to hate in general. Uh, it, I think uh, Sheik says, yeah, I mean, this, this was an ugly watch. That's for sure. This was uh, this was a very ugly watch in general, especially that fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, good Lord, how how dare they throw together like, what, what was it, 24 points combined? In, in the fourth quarter between the two teams. It was a rock fight out there. You could tell how stressful it was uh, in general. But it was a fun game because you got to see the ups and downs. You got to see the crowd kind of go through that ebbs and flows. I was enjoying it from the perspective of wanting as much visceral pain for the Lakers fan base as possible. Uh, that's only a half joke. Uh, but in, in general, it was nice to be able to get a good watch of both of those teams, see what they're good at, see what they're bad at. And in general, uh, or or at least in the end, the Lakers get that win. Uh, They will be the seventh seed. They will face the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. And it is Memphis's issue without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark, uh, a, a, I think a difficult front court to have to deal with the rim pressure that the Lakers are going to put on them with LeBron James. Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves drawing fouls, and and all of the the bigs that they could throw out there, uh, and and now the Grizzlies are going to have Kenneth Lofton Jr. and Jaron Jackson in foul trouble, and that's going to be a really really difficult stressful time for them for sure. Uh, but in general, I wasn't impressed with either team. I was impressed in the first half, of the first three quarters with Carl Anthony Towns. He was fantastic in those first three quarters, and it was pretty cool to see him play that way after having to sit out over 50 games with the calf injury that he sustained. It's always tough to come back in those situations and and turn yourself back into an impactful player, a player that the team trusts, and yet it seems like they they fully trusted him. And then today happened, and the fourth quarter happened, and the Timberwolves just could not get any good shots at all. Obviously, it hurts when Anthony Edwards plays as horribly as he did. But the Grizzlies, or not not the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, 
prove they, they didn't really have that extra level of focus uh, outside of the veterans. I really loved watching Mike Conley, obviously, just hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. It was crazy. Those three free throws were insane, uh, including the first one, which I didn't actually get to see live, but I saw that he had made all three and then saw the reaction from everybody on the uh, on the timeline. And Michael, my producer here, uh, he, he was like, holy cow. How did he how did he make that free throw? It didn't look like he was actually going to get over the front of the cylinder. Um, but they they stuck around. They turned it into an OT game. But obviously, it felt like they ran out of gas in the, the bulk of that fourth quarter and then into that OT. Clearly, the Timberwolves did not have what it takes in this particular moment in that particular environment. Uh, it might be a little bit different in a first-round series when they get more comfortable with an opposing team. Uh, but in a play-in environment where your lives are your your livelihood, your playoff chances are at stake based off of a singular game, that's obviously going to be really stressful. So for a mostly young team like that, that's tough. I thought, like I said, Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson for the majority of the, that game was awesome to watch. He's just a an incredibly talented player, incredibly smart player. Uh and the Timberwolves, I think, are a good team. They are, they are cl- there is clearly a good team in there that has not been able to come out of its shell. Obviously, the Rudy Gobert dynamic is going to be interesting. Jaden McDaniels, when he ultimately, like if he does end up coming back from that broken hand, we will just have to see. But I was relatively impressed with the Timberwolves and their talent. Uh, they have some good players that can execute. I wasn't really impressed with their ability to execute in the clutch, though, and that's something that obviously in a play in, in a playoff environment you're going to have to have, and you're going to have to really take advantage of those moments. It was a weakness that they had last year. I think Conley helps them a little bit, but doesn't necessarily change too terribly much. Five 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 ish says, "Are you worried that the Nuggets will show rust in the first game of the playoffs after watching today's games today?" Uh, I I don't know. Like, I'm going to get a better impression of it tomorrow when I go see uh, practice. Uh, Denver's going to have a hard physical practice tomorrow. We will see what that ultimately looks like. But I, I, I can't really answer it until I actually see it. I've been told that they have a switch that they can flip. I've been told that they don't have a switch that they can flip. I've been told that it's fine just wait until the playoffs. I've been told we have to build championship habits. I don't really know. I don't really know what to believe. I think that the mentality of the Nuggets is that they'll be able to flip it, but we're going to have to see. Like It is going to be, like it's a 50-50 prospect, I think. But either way, you don't have to deal with the Lakers in, in that game one. You don't have to deal with the Lakers potentially stealing game one of a first-round series and then defending their home court in games three, four, and six. That's a... That's a good prospect for Denver, obviously. Uh, I think the Lakers are the strongest of the playing teams, uh, just from a talent standpoint and from a cohesiveness standpoint. And though today, the Lakers, they, they weren't exactly super impressive. But I do think that when you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis and you have kind of the backing of every, like, uh, well, the refs in, in various points, especially in that fourth quarter, but also just a, a very strong home court, and they have enough veteran savvy that they can do a lot of different things. 
Uh, they, like they're obviously going to be a more dangerous team, I think, than any of the other play-in matchups. But fortunately, Denver doesn't have to worry about that. They are going to have to worry about uh, the T-Wolves or not the T-Wolves. Uh, and that sort of depends on this upcoming Friday night. Wednesday night, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to play. That's tomorrow night. We'll, I'll obviously watch that game. I think I'm going to try to react to that game as well as share some practice notes in tomorrow's podcast. Uh, hopefully it doesn't go as late as this one did, having been overtime and on a big national TV game with featuring the Lakers on the on the West Coast. Hopefully that isn't what actually happens. But it's going to be New Orleans versus OKC. The winner of that game will face the T-Wolves on Friday night. And whoever wins that game on Friday night will be the team that is in the eighth seed. They will claim the eighth seed and they will face the Nuggets on Sunday. What I do think now that the Lakers have claimed the seventh seed is that they will be in the primetime slot on ABC during the middle of the day on Sunday. So you're likely looking at a late night game on Sunday night for these Nuggets, whether they are the third game of the day or the fourth game. I, I know that there are going to be four separate games that are played. I don't know. Uh, we'll We'll just have to wait and see on that front. But I do think that there is a possibility that the Nuggets are going to play at 8.30 on that night. And so Denver's going to have a, a very late night, and I will have a very late night writing, podcasting, probably going until 3 o'clock in the morning, as as one does during this time. So I, I'm not bitching. I, I think that it's, it is a, a part of the business, and I am very, very excited for that. Uh, but yeah, Matthew, like, like I said, probably an 8.30 start but maybe eight. Uh, I doubt that it's earlier than that because of where the Lakers are falling and because I, I think that the I think that the Warriors are playing on on Saturday, but we're going to have to see what, what the other game ends up being. Um, oh, it's the 4-5 between the Suns and the 4-5 between the Suns and the Clippers. That will probably start earlier than the Nuggets game, but we'll just have to wait and see on that front. But either way, uh, it is interesting to be able to talk through that game. Other takes from this Lakers-Timberwolves game. Obviously, Jaden McDaniels is a very, very important piece for the Timberwolves. But And obviously, I think, I think Rudy Gobert is a very, very important piece that they missed in this game at, at various points. But not enough to really say, yeah, this was necessary for you to be out there. I actually think that the, the Timberwolves played better without Gobert than they would have played with Gobert. Now, have they had Jaden McDaniels in place of uh, Kyle Anderson at points, or Tarian Prince at points, or even Anthony Edwards at points? That would be very, very fascinating. Or, hell, you could go full small ball and play McDaniels, Anderson, and Tarian Prince in the minutes that Towns did not play. And maybe the, Tim the Timberwolves would have won the game. But it does seem like J.D. McDaniels is probably going to be out for any potential playoff series that he plays in the first round. So if the Nuggets do end up facing the Timberwolves, they'll have to deal with a starting lineup that likely features uh, Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Towns. Uh, that actually bodes well for Denver, I think, from a, a size standpoint, because while the Timberwolves do have size the Nuggets are going to execute a little bit better, and they are going to have 
there will be some rotation things that that the Timberwolves try to uh, trip up Denver with. But in general, if the Nuggets were to face the Timberwolves, we'll we'll figure out a little bit more about this over the course of this week. I might talk a little bit more in depth about the Timberwolves, but they do have a 50% chance of facing the Timberwolves right now, a 25% chance of facing the Pelicans, and a 25% chance of facing the Thunder. So I'll focus a little bit more about the Timberwolves right now and what I see. Conley is dangerous. He's a very, very good player. Anthony Edwards, he is more dangerous than he showed tonight. That That is very, very clear. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what the Timberwolves ultimately look like without McDaniels. He was so, so important in their defensive schemes. Somebody who could have guarded Jamal Murray for the majority of a series. And and I think Jamal would have struggled with a guy like McDaniels. Although the last time they did face each other, Jamal had a very important stretch in the fourth quarter and a clutch moment all against Jada McDaniels. So it's not like he can't score in those particular moments, but it is going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I agree with this. This is the same Edwards that hit 10 threes against Denver. I, I will say that part of that is because Denver just didn't have good defensive personnel at that point, and they, they really struggled with that matchup a little bit, but I do think that they would be better. But regardless, like Edwards is capable of going off. There's no doubt about it that they that he's clearly capable. There are going to be things that the Nuggets are going to have to measure that they're going to have to deal with. And then obviously the non-Jokic minutes will be an issue in, in most any series, but Denver can put together some lineups that I think will be just fine against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, where you switch a lot as what the Lakers showed in tonight's game. If you switch a lot against the Timberwolves and force them into isolation stuff, then if they don't get fouls, they're going to struggle because that's just kind of who they are. They, they don't run great offense against a switching system. So Denver's probably going to run bench lineups that are switch everything. And we'll get to a lot of those in the second segment, but that's my my major takeaways from this is that the Timberwolves are still a very dangerous team. There's no doubt about it, but I definitely fear them less than I would have prior to tonight just because of the way that they collapsed. I don't have any fears that the Nuggets aren't going to be able to score in a fourth quarter of a clutch game. Like I think that Denver will be able to score because they have talent, they have veteran savvy, and they have Nikola Jokic. And it's just a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little, little bit different uh, than, than Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert uh, in terms of like driving offense. So we will see what it ultimately looks like. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to go into the playoff rotation uh, for these Denver Nuggets, and I'm going to ask for some help from the audience here because I've got I've got some takes, but I do want to hear what people want to say about the rotation as well. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook. They are very, very excited and are the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, you can get a $250 deposit or a $250 bonus, excuse me, when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. 
Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back with Pick Action Roll. back with Axe and Roll. God, that felt so weird. Just, I am I am not used to the beard being gone. Like, it has been months since I have shaved it off entirely. I figured, hey, this is as, as good of a time as ever. It's time to be serious. Time to be very much uh, in, in the moments on how, on how being professional I'd be as professional as I can possibly be. Because if somebody has to be professional uh, and for the Nuggets and they've got to show up and I'll show up to work and make sure to be cleanly shaven as well. But I think I did an okay job. So we will see. We will see. Um, oh, Cedric says no beard looks better for them. Interesting. That is that is not what I expected to hear. But that is okay. Thank you very much, Cedric. Um, appreciate the love. Let's build a playoff rotation. Let's do this thing. We've talked about this a lot. And, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation because nothing is going to be set in stone. For this Nuggets team, nothing is going to be perfect. Uh, there are going to be minutes where the bench is really bad. There are going to be minutes where the starters aren't good enough, and then people are going to blame the bench for it because that's just kind of what happens. Uh, I think that the most important thing that people have to realize is that the starters are likely each going to play 35 minutes, and that leaves 65 total minutes for the bench. Let's do that math again. 35 times 5 is 175. Subtract that from 240, and you get 65 total minutes that are played by Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and X other players. 65 minutes is not hard to fill, because one of the things that Denver's done a really good job of during the course of uh, the, the actual regular season is they haven't overloaded anybody from a physical standpoint. Uh, other than Jamal at times where he, it seems uh, like like he will play, uh, I don't know, sometimes he'll play 40. Sometimes Jokic will play 38 to 40. And, and Hurricane, I do agree. I agree with your last comment as well. Uh, but the Hurricane, I, I do agree that most of the time it's going to be more than 35. But what I will say is that there are going to be times where Aaron Gordon gets into foul trouble and plays only 28 minutes where KCP goes through a shooting slump and they decide, hey, we're going to finish with, uh, we're going to finish with uh, uh, Bruce Brown in this place and just have Michael Porter out there, Aaron Gordon out there closing, and Bruce Brown will close at the two. And so maybe KCP doesn't play his normal full rotation. So I'm going to use it as a generality. And I'm going to use this from a, a building the rotation perspective of saying, hey, you got to account for about 65 minutes every single game because maybe Jokic gets into foul trouble. Maybe somebody turns an ankle. Maybe Murray isn't playing well. Uh, maybe there's a weird thing with, uh, like with I don't know, the, the you get to the scorer's table and the guy is stuck at the scorer's table for like a minute and a half extra. And so like it's going to it's gonna shape things at least a little bit. But this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing for Denver. Let's start with the guaranteed bench players. Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green. If I go to Denver uh, basketball reference, 
and look up the minutes per game for each of those guys. Bruce Brown averaged 28 and a half minutes per game. So you could probably round that up to 30 or, or keep it in the 25 to 30 range and say, okay, of those 65 minutes that we're talking about, Bruce Brown's probably going to play about 25 to 30 of them. So that leaves 35 to 40 left for Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and whoever else. Jeff Green has averaged 19 and a half. So if you want to round up to 20, say, okay, that leaves about 15 for Christian Brown. And lo and behold, Christian Brown is averaging 15 and a half minutes per game. So it feels pretty simple from a rotation standpoint that if Denver wanted to do an eight-man rotation, then they certainly could. There are certain staggers that would have to be taken into account. You wouldn't be able to play your normal rotation for a guy like Aaron Gordon. You wouldn't be able to play a normal rotation for a guy like um, Michael Porter at times because you're always going to have two starters out there at least if you are playing a a strict eight-man rotation. Now, that's if it doesn't open up to anybody else. And I think that in general, uh, in general, Denver's probably going to limit their rotation. Like they have the guys that they trust. Michael Malone has the guys that they trust. Um, and that is going to be very interesting to see. Um, Rui asks, oh, not that one. Uh, Ryan, didn't you post an ideal playoff rotation a couple weeks ago? How do you think that changed? Um, if I'm not mistaken, my playoff rotation included Zeke Naji. I do think that I had Bruce Brown, Christian Brown. I think I had Vlako Chanchar in there as opposed to Jeff Green. And I think I had Zeke Naji in there to fill X number of minutes. And, and that might still happen. Like That might be what they go with at the beginning. It wouldn't surprise me if game one rolls around and you're probably having a nine-man rotation as opposed to the eight-man that I'm talking about here. I think that Michael Malone and the Denver Nuggets coaching staff and and honestly, the entire Denver Nuggets organization would like for Denver to be able to play as many guys as they possibly can while still getting wins because what that means is that you don't rack up minutes early on and you can instead spend those minutes later in, in a playoff run. Because I do think that one thing that fans don't really understand is that there is a certain cap, there is a certain limit to the amount of physical stress that a player is going to be playing at a high level for. And how long that's going to be in the playoffs, we're just going to have to see. But let's say Nikola Jokic, for example, plays two seven-round series, like he did in the bubble, and averages about 30 Five minutes a night. Right, let's say let's say forty minutes a night. Let's say let's go crazy. Say forty minutes a night. Okay, so you do forty times seven for the first round. That's two hundred and eighty minutes. Add uh, multiply that by two. That's five hundred and sixty minutes. Now you're starting to get over five hundred extra minutes beyond the regular season minutes that he played, and you're starting to get up there in terms of a really massive like physical toll that guys are going to be having on them. I think. This really is important for guys like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, and it's one of the reasons why they limited Michael Porter's minutes. Not necessarily because they don't think that he can play more minutes, but because if you are trying to extend the amount of high-level minutes that you can play him during a regular season, it's better to play those in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. So one thing that we've seen from Michael Porter this year is he's averaging 29 minutes per game. I think that number's going to go up. I think that number's going to be at least like 34 35, 
and, and Denver's going to have to rely on him because he's a really, really good basketball player. And it's going to be like that for pretty much everybody. Jokic during the season averaged just under 34. Murray averaged just under 33. KCP was at 31. Aaron Gordon was at 30. MPJ was at 29. His numbers are all going up, and that's fine. But Denver has mostly done a pretty good job of limiting total minutes for all of these guys, making it so that they can really ramp things up in the playoffs. That's at least the hope. So, But if you can add more guys like these fringe options, like a Reggie Jackson, like a Peyton Watson, a Vlaco Chanchar, Zeke Naji, and I said maybe Thomas Bryant or DeAndre Jordan if you actually need a, a physical big center then that is a possibility that you could do. That's something that you could try. But in general, I think the guys that we're talking about as fringe options are mostly Reggie Jackson, Peyton Watson, and Zeke Naji. Zeke is that small ball five option that is the biggest of the small ball guys that can actually like switch out and guard various players. He has been slowed down by that right knee sprain, I'm pretty sure, and, and didn't necessarily look great on defense to close the season. Hopefully this week off does him well and he can get to a good place physically where he can guard because that's the most important thing. Peyton Watson showed that he can guard. There's no doubt that if he was called upon to guard for a five-minute stretch in a game two uh, in the second quarter, then yeah, he could probably do that. And, and Denver will probably ask him to do that at some point. Will they ask him to do it every night? No. Will they ask him to do it the majority of the nights? Probably not. They it, It's probably going to be a spot minutes kind of thing. Reggie Jackson's the other guy that I'm like, okay, I don't actually know how much he's going to play. If they do play a nine-man rotation, it's possible that Reggie Jackson is that guy. And maybe they play Aaron Gordon as the backup five uh, next to Jeff Green, and then they play Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. It's a lineup that I don't actually have listed below that I'm going to talk about, but I do think that it is a possibility. So Nuggets fans are going to have to be prepared for some of these combinations, and I'm going to try to talk about some of them, talk about some of the ones that I like, but this is where we're at with it. The guaranteed players that are playing are the starters, all five of them. You've got the three main bench guys in Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green, and then the fringe bench options. At max, you're probably playing two of those in a game. Maybe it's Reggie, maybe it's Peyton, maybe it's Flacco, maybe it's Zeke, and maybe it's a big man, but probably not. Here are the lineups that I think need to play for the Nuggets. We're going to go through these, and I'm going to share some net ratings for everybody. These are the staples. These are the ones that the Nuggets are definitely breaking out that have to play, that are going to find time. There's zero doubt in my mind. We've got the starters. The starters have played so many minutes. They have played a ton of minutes, and I do think the Nuggets are pretty ready to play those guys a ton of minutes in the playoffs too. But because they stagger, they are not going to be able to play those guys for like twelve-minute periods. Like they're they're going to have to get their like it's going to be cut short to six-minute stints, seven-minute stints, eight-minute stints. It's not going to be a full-on. Uh, 10 or 12 minute run with those guys, unless they just decide, yeah, the, the bench guys haven't figured it out. We're just going to run the starters for the entire time. I doubt that they do that. I think they probably try to get some guys a little bit of rest here or there, especially Jokic. Uh, but 
they will play those guys a ton. The other staples, the lineup that features the starters and Bruce for Michael Porter Jr., that is a plus 10.2 net rating. The starters is plus 12.7. It's one of the best lineups in the entire NBA among lineups that have played that many minutes. Uh, Bruce for MPJ, same thing. Bruce for Jamal Murray, where you have Bruce as the point guard, and then KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic, plus 16.4. It's a great lineup. But I was surprised when I went back and looked at these numbers, the Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic lineup, that lineup was plus 29.1 in not a ton of minutes. I don't want to like overstate this. Uh, let me just pull this up here real quick. Um, oh, I went to a different thing. Sorry. Uh, but in general, like it, it was, I think like 150 possessions or something like that, which translates to about 75, 80 minutes or so. So it's not like a massive sample size for that group, but Bruce, Christian, KCP, Aaron Gordon, the four kind of guard slash wing slash four defenders, plus Jokic. That's a really, really good lineup. It had some great moments against the Memphis Grizzlies. It had some great moments in other games, but didn't really play a ton in other games. So that's a one-off that Denver found that they may decide to go back to that I think they should go back to. Other lineups that include Nikola Jokic. Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. at the four, along with KCP, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown. This is one where you get two bench guys in there. You get MPJ and KCP in there for spacing, and then you get Jokic at the five. That's a lineup that's only played one total possession this year, and I'm surprised by that. There have not been a lot of MPJ at the four lineups, and that's something that I would look for and say, hey, maybe this is something that that Denver can go to. Maybe this is something that Denver can uh, figure out. But we are just going to have to see. I'm looking in a, I'm looking in the chat and I see a, a Lakers spy here. You guys really thought my Lakers were going to play you guys, LMAO? Nope, my Lakers going to Memphis. <laughs> well, good luck with that matchup. I, I do think that the Lakers have a, a reasonable chance to win that particular series, as I outlined before, especially with the the front court depth issues that uh <laughs> the front court depth issues that the the Grizzlies are having, but. Hey, maybe the Lakers can make a run, and we'll we'll see you guys in the Western Conference Finals again. Uh, hopefully, this time will be different. Um, but in general, uh, back to this, I like this MPJ at the four concept because MPJ is six ten. He's big. He blocks enough shots and switches enough and and does enough things, kind of as a rotation and help defender, that he can do some things, uh, especially defensively. And then you pair him with the three best perimeter defenders on the on the playoff rotation in Christian Brown, KCP, and Bruce Brown. You've got yourself a, a pretty decent lineup. So that's something that I would try. And it's a good idea if the plan is to stagger Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon, which I think seems pretty reasonable. It seems like a thing that Denver should probably do. But we are going to see what ultimately happens there. Um, Another one. Basically, a very similar concept. I have in parentheses the three bench players. Uh, the Jokic, Bruce, Christian Brown, Jeff, and then one of MPJ or Aaron Gordon. A little bit different from the last lineup because that lineup featured KCP. This one features one starter in the front court alongside Nikola Jokic and then the three bench guys. 
the lineup with Michael Porter Jr. has a plus 34.5 net rating uh, with Jokic, MPJ, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown. That to me was very fascinating. The lineup with Aaron Gordon at the three only has three total possessions uh, with Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. But we did see last year that that lineup can actually be successful. Like Jeff does a good job cutting. Aaron Gordon is a good playmaker when it comes to finding those gaps. When Even when he's at the three, it's not perfect. It's pretty pretty clunky at times, but Denver does do a great job on the offensive glass when they have Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Jeff Green out there. So something to watch. Something to watch that Denver hasn't really broken out this year, but they probably could do going forward. Now, non-Jokic lineups. These are the ones that I think everybody is... Everybody is at least dreading a little bit. Um, let's start with this one. Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green. That's the quartet that I think you're going to see the most with the bench. You're having Murray Stagger as the playmaking guard. Bruce is another playmaking guard. Christian Brown's your main defender with that group. And then Jeff Green is going to be your main front court guy off the bench. This is the group, the one that's rolling along the screen here, that features another bench guy, whether it's Zeke Naji, Zlatko Chanchar, or Peyton Watson. Swatson. Uh, the first four that I mentioned, the lineups that feature Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, without Nikola Jokic. So when Jokic is off the floor, that lineup is minus 10.1 net rating in... X number of possessions. I don't remember. It was like it was like 180, if I'm not mistaken. So it wasn't a small sample size. Like they haven't been very good from that perspective without Jokic. Now, I'm not really expecting the moon here, but you would like to be as even as possible in those minutes. Potentially even positive if you can get there. But that to me is where you start with this, uh, where you start with the non-Jokic lineups. You're going to have your second best player out there in Murray. You're going to have the three bench guys that we've outlined, and then maybe a fourth bench guy. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. The lineup with Murray and the three bench guys, and then Aaron Gordon at the five, which I think is a look that Denver will absolutely go to, has only played 15 total possessions. It's not a great lineup uh, from a scoring standpoint, but it could be a good lineup from a defensive standpoint where everybody's locked in and physical. Everybody's switching. Everybody's guarding in isolation. As long as there aren't any like big wings that can really take advantage of those smaller mismatches, like a Brandon Ingram, um, like a LeBron James, although he's in the other side of the bracket now. As long as there aren't those guys, Slana could be just fine. Like not really worried about bigs, unless it's a Jonas Valanciunas type. Maybe this isn't a lineup that you try against the Pelicans, where. If they have Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas out there, that's a toughie. But as long as you can keep Christian Brown kind of switched on to Brandon Ingram, then maybe it's okay. But that is going to be something that should probably watch. If it's the Timberwolves and you're switching on to Anthony Edwards, that's a little bit different than switching on to um, than switching on to Brandon Ingram. So I like this lineup a little bit more against the Timberwolves and against the. Oklahoma City Thunder than I do against the Pelicans. Now this one, Murray, the three bench guys, and MPJ at the four only played five possessions. This is one where 
You are probably going to be experimenting a little where you've got Jeff Green rolling. Uh, you've got Michael Porter spacing in the corner or on the wing. And then you've got Bruce Brown and Christian Brown just mostly defending, rebounding, and running. And then Murray and Jeff are, are running some two-man game. But also, I liked what I saw at various points from Murray and MPJ, where they would run Murray as the ball handler and then have MPJ either set a screen or slip a screen and try to get into open space, try to give Murray some space to operate. I like that look, and it's something that Denver will probably try to go back to for sure. That would not surprise me in the slightest. Uh, but we will just have to see. Um, Another one that's only played five possessions. I was surprised by this one. It's the starters plus Bruce Brown minus Nikola Jokic, where you've got Aaron Gordon at the five, MPJ at the four, and then Murray, KCP, and Bruce Brown. It's a small group. There's no doubt about that. But you've got a 6'10 dude at the four and a 6'8 dude at the five. So it's not that bad. It's just not the tallest perimeter group. So if you are facing another lineup that features... I actually, I kind of like this lineup a little bit more against a Brandon Ingram type than I uh, maybe maybe have Christian Brown in there in place of Bruce Brown or something like that. But against a Brandon Ingram type, it's probably a little bit better than the other one where you've got Jeff Green out there because Jeff isn't really going to rotate and help. I think Michael Porter might be a little bit better in that situation, but um. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see whether this lineup can get out there. This is kind of a break glass in case of emergency lineup where you don't have Jokic out there. You might as well play your five next best players. And it's not that bad of a lineup from the perspective of, hey, what are you going to do in those minutes? Well, you're probably going to have AG set screens for Murray. You're probably going to have uh, some secondary actions where you've got some dribble drives. You're going to try to defend, rebound, and run. And then maybe you have some post-ups for... Murray on switches or Aaron Gordon on switches. And you're probably going to have those guys isolate a little bit. So again, it's very much a break glass in case of emergency lineup, but it's not that bad. Um, what is going on in the comments? I, I think I opened up a Pandora's box here with uh, addressing the, the uh, spy Laker fan. So sorry, guys. Um, all right. Last one here before we head out. Reggie Jackson for Jamal Murray, and then Michael Porter Jr. staggers instead. This is like Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and Michael Porter. So you've got a four-out spacing with Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter for a Reggie Jackson and Jeff Green pick and roll. That would be fine. There are some good things there. There are some things that I like. It's not perfect by any stretch of the word, but I will say that there are going to be times where Jamal isn't playing well. There are going to be times where you want a little bit of a different look. Maybe he is hurt. Maybe he he's turned an ankle at some point. Or maybe he's just not playing that well in a stretch. And so you decide to give Reggie Jackson a look with the bench. And this could be a great opportunity for him to run the, to run the lineup, to try to set up some good looks for Michael Porter, and to then just try to create some of his own offense if all else fails. Uh, that's the one that you are you're potentially hoping for. but. Look, either way, probably the most important thing for Denver and for Michael Malone especially, just don't be proud. Like, don't be proud at all. The most important thing that Michael Malone can do in this situation is to be proactive. It is to be adaptive. It is to be somebody who 
understands the situation of what the other team is trying to accomplish and then counter it immediately. Do everything you can to put your team into the best possible position where you win the non-Jokic minutes, where you put yourself into a great position to Find an opportunity to do something that you haven't done before, which is win the non-Jokic minutes, like I said, but also just putting yourself into a good situation where you just get a three-minute stretch that goes your way because the opposing team was not ready for what you did. Now, the Nuggets have done that before, but a lot of times what they do is they wait. A lot of times they will stay very principled, and I am mostly curious as to whether Malone is going to stick with the same rotation. Like, hypothetically, let's say the Nuggets lose game one. Are they going to stick with the same rotation in game two? Or are they going to change things up? Now, that is the toughest situation for a coach to be in, is to say, okay, was the plan the problem, or did the players not execute the game plan? And Michael Malone has talked about this before. I sympathize with him for sure. Because what he is going through at that point is trying to say, okay, did the guys not bring the requisite intensity, focus, and execution? And can they do it going forward with the same thing? Or is it something that Malone screwed up with the rotation or with the actual game plan? Or was the plan bad in general, so let's come up with another plan? It's a really tough question. So can't be proud. Got to do whatever you can to get the win. That's the most important thing. And for this Nuggets team, it is very important for them to continue pushing forward and to continue getting out ahead of a series. Can't go down 0-2. Can't go down 0-1. Try to put the like step on the throat of the team that you're facing, no matter who it is. If it's going to be the Timberwolves, if it's going to be the Pelicans, if it's going to be the OKC Thunder. Try to win that series in four or five games. Don't get caught up in saying, hey, it's a seven-game series. They have to win four games. Uh, You have to win four, too. And the easiest way to get through the playoffs is to win those series early. Get yourself some rest before you have to face any other team. Because I know that there is a possibility that the Suns are going to win early against the Clippers. Because Paul George is not there. So if they go 4-0 or 4-1 in that series and the Clippers just don't provide any resistance, and you're still playing, and you're trying to close out a team in Game 6 on the road while the Suns are waiting and just resting, that's a bad situation for Denver to be in. So the hope is that you just push it forward as early as possible and do your work up front. It's not something the Nuggets have been good at at all this year, but I do think that it is possible. We will see. We will see what happens. Um, I try to be like, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to make any proclamations and say that Denver is perfectly good, that Denver is bad, because I do think it's all on the table. I think that the most important thing for Nuggets fans is to just enjoy the ride as much as they possibly can. But for this particular stretch, it's going to be very stressful. I do know that for sure. So, Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? Everybody. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for hopping in. I really do appreciate it. It's a pretty late podcast on a non-game day for the Nuggets, but we had a bump and chat here 
this was very interesting to, to kind of monitor as, as I'm talking about the Nuggets lineups and we're talking about the Lakers still. Why are we still talking about old stuff? The Lakers have to deal with the Grizzlies. That's old stuff. We, we ain't going to worry about that. Shaven Ryan is out. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out on the YouTube side. Make sure to like and rate, review, and subscribe on the audio side. Really appreciate all y'all. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. <laughs>